This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Most spy stories are pure fiction, but Cloak and Dagger is the real deal. Taken from the files of the OSS, precursor to the CIA, the show highlights the exploits of men who go into danger for their country, the story of men who work behind enemy lines in World War II. William Joseph Wild Bill Donovan, a lawyer and military veteran who had won the Medal of Honor in 1918, was appointed Coordinator of Information, attempting to centralize the intelligence-gathering activities being individually carried out by the Army, Navy, FBI, and State Department. Now, at first, the various services were reluctant to share information, but the attack on Pearl Harbor showed the need for a centralized intelligence service. And by 1942, Donovan's organization had become the Office of Strategic Services, or OSS, with Alan Dulles now in command. The OSS went to work both in the European and Pacific theaters of war, gathering intelligence, sowing false information, training guerrilla groups, and performing acts of sabotage. This is one of those stories. Are you willing to undertake a dangerous mission behind the enemy lines, knowing you may never return alive? What you have just heard is the question asked during the war to agents of the OSS, ordinary citizens who to this question answered, yes. This is Cloak and Dagger. Warfare, espionage, international intrigue. These are the weapons of the OSS. Today's adventure, direct line to bombers, the story of an American OSS agent who, during the height of the war, directed from the streets of Berlin an American attack, is suggested by actual incidents recorded in the Washington files of the Office of Strategic Services. A story that can now be told. After you get back from a mission, you sit around and there's nothing to do but sit around. So that's what I did. I sat in a room in Milton Hall in England where OSS agents are trained. I thought about the restaurant on 6th Avenue I wanted to open after the war. I was never so bored in my life. Yeah. Hey, uh, Nicky, the colonel wants to see you. Very important. Okay, pal. Tell my pal, the colonel, I'll be there and win the war for him. Da 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 da. And that was how it all began. 
November 1944. After that, I didn't have time to be bored. I know you've just come back from a mission in France, Lieutenant, so it's strictly up to you if you want to go out again immediately. Oh, now listen, pal. I mean, uh, Colonel. <laughs> if I have to sit around here and do nothing, I'll blow my top. Uh, you um, speak German, don't you? Well enough to know that Hitler speaks a lousy German, full of grammatical errors. I, if I see him, I'll tell him. You may be closer to him than you think. Corporal? Yes, Colonel. Send in Professor Warburg. <laughs> That's how I met the professor. He was a little guy with a beard. He weighed about as much as 10 cents worth of liver. And he reminded me of my chemistry teacher back in Lincoln Junior High School. Professor, tell Lieutenant Olesnikos just what you told me. With the greatest of pleasure, Colonel. Lieutenant, I am an escaped political prisoner of the Nazis. And I am here in England illegally. And you just walked into headquarters and told that to the Colonel, huh? Did you know you can be interned? I know that very well. But I can no longer sit by and be idle while I have a plan that I know can help the Allies. Uh, what uh, Professor Warburg suggests, Lieutenant, is that he be parachuted into Germany with another agent, make his way to Berlin. I, uh, I assure you, I can move about Berlin blindfolded. I know it well. Berlin? This could be interesting. What then? Then, with a radio transmitter, we could pinpoint military targets to American planes overhead. We could direct bombs from the streets of Berlin itself. Now, wait a minute. Walk around with a walkie-talkie in the middle of a raid carrying on conversation with bombers? When do we leave, pal? I am ready any time. Today? Tomorrow? Yesterday? Professor may have been ready yesterday, but the OSS wasn't. First, we were briefed for weeks how to get food coupons in Berlin, how to buy a railroad ticket, how to post a letter, how to greet a German officer in the street. Little things, uh, an American cigarette, an English match, a laundry mark would give us away. And there were big things, too. We were grilled for hours on cover stories. Forgeries became documents. Fiction became fact. Passes, stamps, signatures. Everything authentic, everything ersatz, including my manners and habits. But I was ready to pass as a citizen of Berlin. And then a plane took us high over German soil, and we jumped. It, Nicky. Yeah. It's only a few kilometers to Berlin. We can walk it, make it before daylight. <laughs> we should find the farmer who owns this field and say Dankeschön for providing us with so ideal a landing place. <laughs> yeah, we'll send him a letter sometime. Right now, let's get out of here. You will wait where you are. Kindly keep your hands in the air. Unless you want that I blow your heads off. Or that my dog tear you to bits. Quiet, Ron. Been a good dog keeping so still. Well, as your farmer, Professor, you still want to say Dankeschön? Sit still! Do not talk! You, uh, you have made a mistake, my friend. My companion and I got lost trying to find the road. We, we came by accident on your field. 
That's right. We both of us only recently discharged from the army. If you would care to see our papers right here in this knapsack. I can... If you don't keep your hands up, I will let the dog go for your throat. I do not care to see your papers. I saw you parachute from an American plane. Uh-oh. Walk now to the barn. Rolf will see to it that you stay there. Won't you, Rolf? <laughs> German farmer left us in the barn and he didn't have to lock the door. That big black Doberman with the impatient fangs watched us as if he wanted us to make a move so we could jump. Oh, if we get out of this, my friend, I shall never again be a dog lover. Professor, don't move, don't turn your head, just listen to me. Yeah, I'm listening. There's some harness straps hanging on a hook right over my head. I noticed them when I came in. If I can pull them down fast enough, I'll throw them over the dog when he leaps, try to untangle him. Yeah, but... There's some horse blankets near you. When I pull down the straps, throw the blanket over him. It's got to be fast. Better work. I'm ready. On three, then. One. Nice, boy. Nice, nice, big, ugly mutt. Two. Three. The harness caught on the nails. I tried to pull it down, and the dog leaped at my neck. And then the nail came off, too, and the straps fell across the dog's snout. Professor flung the blankets over the dog's head. I, I have him, Nicky, but I can't hold him. The shovel? Where's that shovel I saw? Hurry, hurry, I can't hold him. Now, I hit him again and again. And then suddenly the only sound in the barn was the dull thud of the shovel. The dog didn't move or make a sound. Never would again. We had better get out now. Yeah, let's go. Ah, the smell of a bakery is always good. Oh, how fortunate it is. I have only this morning made Pfefferkuchen, Josef. Just the way you always liked it. <laughs> how good to see you again, Anna. I told my friend Nikki that you would take us in, help us. Natürlich, Nikki. I will do anything I can. We, we may stay here then, huh, Anna? Oh. If all goes well, we will leave right after the raid tomorrow night. Yeah, 24 hours, all we need. Of course, you may stay. I still live above the bakery. There is an extra room. My grandson, Emil, will not be home from the youth camp for a week. Youth camp? What could I do, Nikki? What could anyone do in these days in Berlin but ride with the wind? Until there is a chance to fight against it. Helping you and your mission will give me my chance. Little Emil, eight years ago seemed like only yesterday. I used to sit with him on my lap here in this bakery and twirl my gold watch on the chain for him. Remember, Anna, how he laughed? Yeah, I remember. He has forgotten you by now. And you would not know him. He's 13 years old. Oh, 13 years old. Already they have poisoned his mind. I cannot get to him. I do not dare. He's a little parrot speaking only what is taught him. Uh, Nicky, some more coffee? No, thank you, Frau Leitner. More Pfefferkuchen or Apfelstrudel. A specialty of my shop, Apfelstrudel. No, thanks. Six years ago, at this very table, I had Emil on my lap when the Gestapo walked in and arrested me. They did not like what I taught in their school. Hey, what's that? Someone's coming. I don't know who it can be. 
Customers never come by this late. Grandmother, surprise, I'm home. Amy! What is man? Emil, your manners. These are friends just uh, passing through Berlin. They are just staying the night. This is Herr Neudek and Herr Josef. Bigates. Heil Hitler. Oh, yes, of course. Heil Hitler. I did not expect you until next week, Emil. How is it you are here so early? I won a great honor, which I want to tell you about. I did not know I'd have to share to a stranger. Shame, Emil. These men are... Well... Soldiers of the fatherland. Yeah? Yes, Emil, we were both with the elite guard of one of Rommel's panzer divisions. Rommel? Yes, uh, that is before we received our medical discharges. Oh, Rommel. Yes. Sit down, my boy. I will bring you something to eat, yeah? Don't you want to hear about the honor you received? Look, grandmother, on my sleeve. A red swastika. Yeah, red for the youth movement. And a swastika because I learned my lessons faster than the others. The commander-in-chief of the whole youth movement awarded me my swastika, and he told me I could take my vacation a week early. Are you proud of me, grandmother? Yeah, my boy, yeah. Let me get you something to eat. Oh, no, 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 I'm too tired. Going up to bed. Grandmother said you are staying here. Will I see you in the morning, gentlemen? Well, I'm not sure. Oh, they will be here. Now that you are home, Emil, I will sleep on the couch and give them my room. No, no, please. Oh, it is all right. It is settled. Good. Perhaps then, Herr Josef, you will tell me about Rommel. A great leader. Yes, yes, perhaps. Uh, we will see you in the morning, Emil. Why do you stare at me? Do I stare, boy? I thought so. Have I met you before, Herr Josef? No, I am sure not. Your face... Ever since I came in. Grandmother, have I met him here before? No, no, Emil. Herr Josef was here before you were born, even. You have never seen him. It has been years, oh, 15 maybe, before you were born. <laughs> I suppose so. Well. Good night. Professor. He wouldn't remember, would he? Oh, how could he, Nicky? He was a baby that last day Josef saw him, barely five years old. And the professor was 30 pounds heavier, at least, and clean-shaven. Yeah, yeah. Anna is right, Nicky. Do not worry. He could not remember. Do not worry. <laughs> but I couldn't help worrying. I lay awake half the night thinking about that kid in the room next door. The 13-year-old puppet with the new red swastika. It was just a feeling. I had a funny kind of feeling at the pit of my stomach that made me wish they'd kept him in that youth camp until after we were gone. When I got up, the sun had been up for hours, and so had the professor. I went downstairs to the bakery. There was a smell of fresh bread baking, and I knew Frau Leitner was in the kitchen. But the professor was sitting at the table, swinging his watch on the gold chain and talking well, to that uh, German quiz what kid. What else have you learned, Emil? But why do you want to know? Oh, I'm just interested. I want to see how well you have earned that swastika. I stood at the oh, bottom of the stairs me. and listened. We have a leader who has revolutionized Germany. He is the greatest man who ever was or will be. When I joined the Führer's organization, the man in charge said, 
join no other organization but this. Forward, forward, the banner leads us to eternity. Oh, you have learned your lesson well. Yeah, Yosef. Are you sure I have never seen you before? Of course not, my boy. I seem to remember. Hey, Yosef. Ah, good morning, Herr Neudeck. Uh, since we're just passing through Berlin, don't you think we ought to see a few of them? The sights before we leave. Yeah, yeah, you are right. We will leave now. Uh, perhaps later, Emil, we will talk more. The raid was scheduled for that night, but the professor and I had a lot of work to do. We made arrangements to meet about 4.30 that afternoon at a tavern on Wilhelmstrasse. We went separate ways. I did a lot of walking. And I made a lot of notes in my head. The Klingenberg power plant was still functioning. The Ostkreutz junction of the city railroad had been repaired. There was an ammunition dump on the north side that our bombers couldn't see from the air. It's a nice day. A lot of Germans were walking the streets. And I made a lot of notes in my head. <laughs> Wish to order now, mein Herr. Nein, nein, later. I am waiting for a friend. The professor was 15 minutes late and I started to get nervous. Maybe somebody had recognized him. I sat there and sweated it out. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half hour. And then he finally came. But he wasn't alone. Herr Neudeck, this is Hauptmann Müller. Uh, we, uh, we met only this afternoon, and I uh, invited him to come and have dinner with us. <laughs> it was not quite that way, Herr Neudeck. It was I who insisted upon coming alone. I, uh, give uh, sit down. You were with one of Rommel's panzer divisions, I understand. Yes, we were only recently discharged from the army. Myself, I am just back. <laughs> we will have much to talk about. Where is that stupid waiter? Never around when you need them. Uh, he will be here presently. Uh, presently is not soon enough. I will go to see him myself. I'll be right back. Where did you pick him up? He found me, my friend. There is a reservoir near the rail line. I was looking around. I, I think he was a little suspicious at first, but when I told him I was with Rommel, he became more friendly. Yeah. I am beginning to believe I was in Africa myself. Just the same. I wish you could have shaken him. What did you find out? It was a profitable afternoon. And you? Profitable afternoon. Good. Shh, he comes back. <laughs> ah, yes. At first, it seems strange to me that Herr Josef here should show so much interest in the reservoir. <laughs> well, I, I was merely taking a stroll, getting reacquainted with Berlin. <laughs> then I watched you. I saw you walk down towards the rail line. That was when I stopped you and began to talk. We are both glad you did, Herr Hauptmann. Give us this opportunity to get acquainted. Yeah, yeah. Hope we shall see more of you while we're in the capital. Uh, perhaps, Herr Neudeck. Perhaps you shall see a great deal of me. I think I shall call the waiter and order some brandy. Oh, oh I see. You have not yet finished your meal, Herr Neudeck. You're still eating. It's very good. 
Our diet at the hospital was not so varied. Mm. No doubt, no doubt. Everything I ate stuck in my throat. I know, one of the nurses. I knew that German officer was watching me as he talked. Watching me strangely, and I didn't know why. I knew that something was wrong, and I didn't know why. Professor felt it too. Her name is Gertrude, little Fräulein, I tell you about. And she has friends. Oh, very pretty friends. Uh, you would like to meet them, perhaps? Yes, we would like to very much, Herr Hauptmann. How you would have enjoyed them. We might have had great fun together. All of us. Unfortunately, you may be otherwise engaged with the Gestapo. What, what, what did you say, Herr Hauptmann? I have been watching you all through dinner, Herr Neudeck. You are an American. Do not I, move, either of you. I have my hand on my gun. Well, surely you're, you're joking. No European eats the way you do. To change the fork from the left hand to the right after the knife is used. At first, it escaped me. I just knew something bothered me. Then I realized what it was. It there it was. The little was thing the that could thing. put a rope around Only my neck. Americans hold the fork sideways in the right hand. In my nervousness, I'd forgotten a little thing like that European yeah. manner of eating. The Gestapo will be very pleased. The sharp knife I'd been eating with was still in my hand. Almost as if it moved by itself, it disappeared under the table and halfway into the German office. Good work, Mickey. Good. I was stupid to get myself into that jam in the first place. We're not out of this yet. Waiter. Waiter. I'm on here. Check, please. A friend has had a little too much to drink. We will take him home. Yeah, yeah, right away. Between the two of us, we managed to get him out of there. His head was rocking back and forth like a drunk. The knife was still in him, so the blood didn't flow very much. He kept his cape around him. All right. There is no one around here, Nicky. We can dump him behind this shed. All right. We're beginning to leave a trail a mile long. So long, pal. It's nice meeting you. Come on, Professor. Let's go. Back to the bakery, there was more trouble waiting for us. Trouble 61 inches high, weighing about 110 pounds, wearing a new red swastika on his arm. Uh, they're in the kitchen. Something is wrong. I don't like the sound of that. Come on. Why are you so stubborn? This morning when we were that watch on the chain, I thought I remembered something. And just now how I did. Oh, you have never seen Herr Josef before. I have. I have. When I was very little, they could stop. Okay? They arrested a man with a gold watch on a chain. I tell you, it's the same one. Emil, they do not even look alike. And what about boy. this? This broadcast radio I found hidden in your bedroom in a hat box. I, I... It's called a walkie-talkie, Emil. What? Give it back to me. Nicky! Joseph, come back. You see, you see, we've wasted time. I should have gone to the authorities right away. They have tricked you, grandmother. He knows, Anna. I'm afraid so. I've been holding him here, hoping you would return. What did you say? You knew, grandmother, didn't you? They didn't trick you at all, traitor. 
You're a traitor too. Amy, get Amy, away from me. I hate you. Me. I hate you. Nikki, get, get him. He's trying to run. Yeah, I got him. Let me go. Let me go and report to the Gestapo. They kill you. They have you shot. You're not going to report no. anyone. What will I do with him? Uh, upstairs, his bedroom. Oh, Lock him there until after you have gone. Right. Let go of me. Get your hands on me. I hate you. I hate you all. Let me go. We'll have to come with us when we leave here tonight, Anna. You cannot stay now. Professor is right, Frau Leitner. That kid upstairs will turn you over to the Nazis so fast you won't know what happened to you. My little Emil, turn me in. Josef, would he? Yeah, I'm afraid he would, Anna. It is best that you come with us. We are going to try to get through the lines into France. Once there, there are underground workers who will help us. Yeah. Nikki. Is it all right if I bring this tray of food up to him? He has not eaten. He's still such a little boy. Yeah, sure, sure. You oh, take it up, but don't untie his hands, remember? Yes, I will remember. The raid ought to start soon. Let's go over this map, make sure we have everything right. Huh? Yeah. Now, the rail line is here. Mm -hmm. Sector 2, grid B3. If our bombers knock that out, Berlin's transportation is completely crippled. And here on the map, power plant is in sector six, grid G5. Nicky, he's gone. What did you What? <laughs> yeah, his hands. He got them loose. He lowered himself from the window with the bedsheet. What are we to do? He'll bring the Gestapo back with him. We don't know how long he's been gone. Professor, the window, quick. Yeah. The, I, ah, the back door. There, there is a car coming. I there can is, see it. There is an alley and Now we look, can... look, no time. They'll have this place surrounded. How do you get to the roof? The roof, yeah, yeah. Up those stairs. We can go to, to the other rooftops and perhaps escape. There better be no perhaps about it. We went up to the attic stairs and onto the roof. We could see the Germans from there. Four of them in black shirts spilled out of an armored car. Two of them broke in through the front door. Two of them started around to the rear. And then we heard Amy. There they are up there. Nikki, she's dead. Well, it won't do her any good if we stay here. Come on, across the parapet. Annie. Oh, that's music to my ears. At least it'll keep them from getting more help right now. Stay where you are. Surrender now and it will go easier with you. Come and get us, pal. One did try to come and get us. He got it first. Right between the eyes. He swayed for a few seconds back and forth, and then he fell off the roof onto the street. Ah, that's one of them, Nikki. There are only two left. Two? What happened to the third? Nikki, was... behind you! Fourth Nazi had come up the other way, through somebody else's attic and onto the roof behind. Get your hands up! Now there are just two left, Professor. I... Hey, Professor, what is it? My... my leg. I can't move it. I can't go any further, Nikki. <laughs> What happened afterwards was a nightmare. It was if the earth cracked wide open. It was red hot burning and the noise of the planes and the agag and the German guns and the bombing made my, my stomach turn. We crouched behind a parapet and I held them off while the professor directed the bombers. Attention, attention bombers. The Klingenberg power plant is still functioning and supplies electric power to vital industries. Bomb sector six, grid G5. 
The Ostkreuz junction of the city railroad has been repaired. Knock it out and all traffic in Berlin will be stopped. Sector 2, grid B3. All right. Go now, Nikki. While there is a chance. I can hold them off long enough for you to get away. I can't leave you here. No, no, they won't take me. Don't worry. Now look, I'll carry you. We'll make it. Come on. Listen. Listen to me, Nikki. Go across the next two rooftops and then down through the skylight. There is a tailor shop. Yeah, but Professor... Go out the back door there. It leads to an alley. Once over the fence, under cover of the rage, you can make it. Now look, I won't go without you. All right. I will change your mind. Attention. Attention, bombers. Hey, what are you doing? Attention, bombers. Imperative. Wait two minutes and bomb crossroads at sector seven, grid D3. Hey, Professor, what are you doing? You're crazy. That's here, this sector. Go on, run. Run, Nikki. I'll cover you. I ran. I stumbled and fell and got up and ran again. When I got down in the alley through the tailor shop, I kept on running. And then the bomb fell and the concussion rocked the ground and I went flat on my face. When I looked back, I knew that our bombers had made another direct hit. The professor had not only held off the Germans while I got away, but kept them there until it was too late for any of them. A little German bakery that specialized in Apfelstreudel folded up as it been made of matchsticks. Somewhere in the wreckage, the professor with his gold watch on a chain was buried under it. And overhead, the planes headed back. There was nothing left for me there. I headed back, too. Lieutenant Gus Olesnikus made his way to France and after months from there to England. But his direction of the bombing raid from the target itself kept some of Berlin's major industries crippled and its transportation system paralyzed. And once again, the report of an OSS agent closes with the words... Mission accomplished. Listen next week when we again present... Cloak and Dagger. in today's Cloak and Dagger adventure were Everett Sloan, Bill Zuckert, Lily Darvas, Barry Kroger, Michael Artist, Raymond Edward Johnson, Carl Weber, Jerry Jarrett, Bobby Weil, and Brad Barker. Script was written by Winifred Wolfe and Jack Gordon. Music was under the direction of John Garth. Today's true OSS adventure was based on the book Cloak and Dagger by Corey Ford and Alistair McBain. This has been a Lewis G. Cowan production in association with Alfred Hollander, and was under the direction and supervision of Sherman Marks. Stay tuned for Red Skelton next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Red Skelton Show. Hollywood.
aboard the Raleigh Cigarette Program, starring Red Skelton with David Forrester and his orchestra, our singing star Anita Ellis, Gigi Pearson, Verna Felton, Pat McGee, and our guest, Wonderful Smith, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. <laughs> It's a pleasure to bring you Metro Golden Mayor's popular comedian and the star of the Raleigh Cigarette Program, Red Skelton. Thank you, thank you very much, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, hello, Red. What do you know? I don't know nothing. What do you know? I don't know nothing. Well, what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> nothing like good material. I wish we had some. <laughs> Now, all my jokes are new tonight. All new jokes. Really? All new jokes, right? Yeah, tonight the corn is green. <laughs> <laughs> they what's new this week, Rod? Well, they hit the moon. They what? They hit the moon. Must have been a woman driver. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know much about the moon. Tell me, does the moon rotate around the sun? Yes, Red, all planets revolve around the sun. Boy, Los Angeles really takes a detour, don't it, huh? <laughs> it's interesting, though. I wonder what the moon really is. Well, I've heard several definitions, but I think it's a cold, clammy, lifeless body that glares down at us. Oh, sort of like an income tax collector, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, not to change the subject, Red. I wish you would. <laughs> but I'd like to say your trip to Las Vegas last week did you good. You look really? fresh as a flower. A potted one. Yeah. Nothing. Yes. <laughs> he said to me, let's put that joke in for a laugh. <laughs> Where is it, Doc? <laughs> I'll never take another trip across that desert, though. It took me five days. Five days? Why, it's only 200 miles. Yeah, I can only travel at night, though. My thumb sunburns so easily. <laughs> Well, did you see Boulder Dam? Yes, I took my father to get his mind off of drinking, you know. Really? And it helped? No, he took one look at Boulder Dam and he says, Look, no wonder you can't get a chaser. They're holding it back. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a papa beaver talking to about 20 little baby beavers. Mm -hmm. He got them all together and he says, Look, kids, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. <laughs> Well, it's pretty crowded in Las Vegas. Tell me, Red, uh, what did you do about finding a place to stay? Well, I finally told the mayor that I was tired of sleeping in the park. Yeah, what did he say? Nothing. He just laughed and laid back down on the bench and went to sleep again. <laughs> <laughs> but where did you stay, Red? At the Last Frontier Hotel. That's really a nice place to have gambling there, you know. Really? Yes, in case you ever go there. Notice that white flag over the hotel. That's my shirt. <laughs> Well, say, I noticed a beautiful hat box in your dressing room. Something good inside? Yes, it's a present for Anita Ellis. Oh, a present for me, Red? Yes, Anita, but I'm a little nervous about giving it to you. Oh, why, Red? Well, you know how women are. You give them something and then they get all mushy and want to kiss you, you know. <laughs> oh, Red, I don't think I'm like that. You not? You mean I carry that thing all the way up here for nothing? <laughs> and now lovely Anita Ellis sings Some Sunday Morning. <laughs> Sunday morning is going to be some Sunday morning for someone and me. Bells will be chiming an old melody, especially for someone and me. 
there'll be an organ playing. Friends and relations will stare. Can't you hear them saying, Gee, what a peach of a pear. Some Sunday morning, we'll walk down the aisle. He'll be so nervous, and I'll try to smile. Things sure look rosy for someone and me. Some Sunday morning, you'll see. Will stare. Gee, can't you hear them saying, Oh, what a peach of a pain. Some Sunday morning, we'll walk down the aisle. He'll be so nervous, and I'll try to smile. Things sure look rosy. For someone and me, some Sunday morning you'll see. Thank you very much. Tonight we open the Skelton Scrapbook of Satire to a story entitled Looking for Trouble. Our characters are fictional. If there's any similarity to persons living, they should go down to the morgue and give themselves up. <laughs> Chapter 81 of Looking for Trouble is entitled The Man Who Stole Miguel. This is the story of Deadeye and his long search for gentleman Jim Harkins, the man who ran away with his girl, Margie the Clipper. It's midwinter in Montana. The blizzard is raging. Boy, it's a beaut. Montana, that is. <laughs> Hey, wonderful. Yeah, but Deadeye, why go to all this trouble to get even with some critter who stole your gal? Why? Didn't you ever fall in love? No, but I fell in a river once. That's the same thing. You get soaked either way. (laughs) Well, Deadeye, I'm turning back. Turning back? Is that all our friendship means? No, Mr. Deadeye. You know I'd face death for you. Oh, yeah? Then how come you ran when that grizzly bear challenged you? He wasn't dead, was he? Well, I gotta find gentleman Jim Harkins, the guy that stole my gal. Well, let's look in California. California? What's that? That's that's a place where you get hit by a woman driver and you take a sun bath while waiting for an ambulance. Oh. <laughs> There's an ambulance. There's people up in these mountains. I can hear them. <laughs> look, there's a cabin just ahead of us. Let's inquire in there, and if they ain't seen my gal and Gentleman Jim, then we'll head for California. Okay. Come on, let's race for the cabin. Ooh! It was a tie. Yeah, but I would have won if I'd have hit a horse. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go up and knock on the door here. Did I? Howdy, Tad. 
Hey, what did you follow me up here for, Deadeye? Stop playing the piano, will you, Gail? Yeah. Talk to me. I said, what did you follow me up here for? Because I can't live without you, Gail. <laughs> so why can't you live without me? Because you got all my money, Gail. <laughs> it's good to see you again, Gail. Come on, sit on my lap. Here, pull up a knee and sit down. Okay. Still bow-legged as ever, ain't you? Yeah, I've been that way ever since I swallowed that chicken wishbone. I'm proud of that. Why don't you come back to the Flathead County with me, gal? It's no use, Ted. I'm Gentleman Jim Hawkins. He's promised me a love nest. Well, you go with me. I'll give you some Snickers. After all, why should the girl in the balcony have all of them, you know? How about kissing me, gal? No, Dan, I, I don't want to kiss. Why not? I'd rather have a Raleigh. Yeah. Who's that? Uh-oh. Deadeye. Jim Hawkins just rode up. Uh-oh. I thought I recognized your horse, Deadeye. Stand back, gal. Uh, here's a cowboy that's seen too many of them Errol Flynn pictures. <laughs> I, why don't you let us be? Maggie the Clipper and I are as happy as two bugs in a rug. Well, you better pull in your ears, because my gun's is loaded with DDT. <laughs> don't shoot me, Deadeye. You can have your gal. Gentlemen, Jim, you ain't no gentleman. You're so yellow, you could give transfusions to bananas. Yeah. <laughs> well, that skins me. <laughs> I'm proud of that. <laughs> Why don't we be fair and square about this, huh? We'll fight a duel for her hand. Very well. Count three and we'll both draw. Now, he ought to know better than that. <laughs> okay, come outside. Very well, did I? There, take that. <laughs> Why, oh. you didn't even give Deadeye a chance. Yeah. I'm done for, Gail. I'm on my way to that cabin in the sky. Oh, Deadeye. Deadeye, you can't go to that cabin in the sky yet. Because I love you. Oh, goodbye, gal. Roll me over on my face. I don't want to see where I'm really going. <laughs> you better go in. I'm proud of that. <laughs> you better go inside out of the cold, gal. Gentlemen, Jim, we're through. Well, I didn't know you loved him so much. Come in. Howdy, folks. Did I? I thought you were going to that cabin in the sky. You wouldn't let me in. Why? No vacancies up there, either. <laughs> Thank you. Chapter 82 is entitled, I've Been Insulted. When a girl has been insulted, she usually looks for her man to fight to protect her honor. If she can find him, it's usually Clem Cadiddlehopper. <laughs> Sunday morning. I wonder if Sarah Dew's all alone. I'll just sneak up to the door and listen for a minute. No, I better stop that listening. I'm beginning to hear things. Well, howdy, Clay. 
Well, Sarah, do howdy duty to you, too. <laughs> sure is a nice day today, ain't it? The sun got back from Florida early this year, didn't it? <laughs> Say, uh, what did you want to see me about? How cram people are talking. Well, of course they're talking. What do you expect them to do, Bart? <laughs> That's too fast for her. She didn't get it. <laughs> Well, what's this I hear about you and the Widow Brown? It's a lie. I don't even know the woman. And that's a lie, too. Oh, Clem, you're a moron. Yes, and medical science can give you proof positive. <laughs> I'm proud of that. Well, you took that Widow to the movies the other night, didn't you? I did not. She took me. Well... Did you hold her hand? I sure did. Why? She was sneaking my popcorn. <laughs> well, tell me truly, Clem, have you ever kissed her? Only on the cheek. Well, you sure it wasn't her lips? Well, she was grinning a little at the time. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Who told you I took her to the movies? Well, I heard it at the drugstore. A feller said... There goes that Sarah Do, and she plays second fiddle for Clem Cadiddlehopper. I didn't even know you had a union card. <laughs> no, Clem, either you make that blabbermouth apologize, or we are through. Really? Well, then, come on. I'll go down and make him take it back. I won't stand for that eight hole. Eight hole, I hey, won't stand Clem, for. Clem, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> Sometimes my feet's a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> Now, come on, let's go. Now, let's go. Well, here's the drugstore. Oh, and there is the fellow who insulted me. Oh, yeah? Well, I'll take care of him right now. Come here, you. Hey, put me down. Yeah, I'll put you down. What's this talk you started about me? Clem. I'm going to beat you to a pulp. You're the type of a guy I can handle. You put me down. Yeah. Clem, he didn't say it. He didn't? No! Now put that midget down. <laughs> well, if he didn't say it, who said it? That big teller, he's the one. Go on, Clay, make him take it back. Him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, surely he didn't say it. Well, yes, he did. Yes, he did, didn't you? Didn't you say Clay was a two-timer? Yes, I did, and don't start anything or I'll knock you conscious. <laughs> Come on, put up your mitts. Now, look, I'll give you one last chance to apologize. I apologize to you, you lily-livered, chicken-hearted nincompoop. Well, that's mighty decent of you. (laughs) (laughs) if you don't hit him, I'm just through with you. You heard her. Now, look, dog meat, go home and play with your toys or I'll slap your face. You slap my face and I'll bite your fingers off. (laughs) I'll bite your fingers off, you slap me. Oh, you will! Yes, sir, I'll gum them off, I will. And now David Forrester and his orchestra plays Tumbling Weed.
for trouble is entitled Time to Go to Bed, Kitty. When a child is reminded that it's bedtime, there's usually a little trouble. But with the little child psychology, it can be handled pretty nicely. With everyone except the mean widow kid. It's time all good little boys were in bed. Well, that's what they get for being good, you know. <laughs> I will come in. Wait till I get me wagon here. Pull me wagon. Oh, wait a minute, Julia. You can't bring that wagon in the house. Why not? It isn't yours. Not good. I got it from the widow kid next door. In a widow deal, I cook up at my wagon. What did you give him for it? Well, he was happy with the whole deal, you know. <laughs> what did you give him for it? A black eye. <laughs> Come, hurry upstairs and take your bath and get ready for bed. Okay. It's gonna take a bath. It's gonna take a bath. Now what happened? The door was ajar. Now me poor little nose is a jam. <laughs> hey, Grandma, how long will it be before I'm old enough I don't have to take bath no more? Never. Kind of a dull outlook, ain't it, huh? Your bath is ready. Stop wasting time or the water in the tub will get cold. Okay, I will play Johnny Weissmuller. I will run and dive into the water. Here I go. <laughs> Who pulled that stuff around? <laughs> I'd better throw the tub up again. I'd better throw the tub full of water. Just... <laughs> Oh, yeah. she didn't tell you how to work. Hmm? Junior, are you taking a bath? Yes, don't come in, don't come in. I got nothing on, don't come in. <laughs> Put your pajamas on and get out of there. Okay, okay, goodness. Everywhere you go these days, peeping toms, you know. <laughs> now, I did want to lay in the bubble bath and sort of soak a widow, too, you know. Now, I'll get my pajamas on. Now, I will get out of here. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, hmm? You're soaking wet. Well, you said put on me widow pajamas and get out of there. Junior, you don't put your pajamas on in the tub. Now she tells me. <laughs> My 
goodness, you're, you're still dirty. Yeah. Didn't you use any soap? Yes, I did, but the way I used it, it lasts longer. I need the wrappers on. <laughs> Get into these dry pajamas and get into bed. Okay, I am sleepy, but I will try. Just for you, I will try. Meow. 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 Now what are you doing? I'm taking a crack nap. (laughs) (laughs) Grandma. Are you going to lie down or do I have to tie the rope? No, I think the chains will hold me okay. (laughs) Well, good night. Grandma. No, you can't have a drink of water. Well, what is this? Information, please? Wait for the question. What do you want? I'm thirsty. <laughs> you're just stalling, Junior. Either you're going to sleep or your aren't going to get any of that pie I make for tomorrow. Banana pie? Yes. With whipped cream? Yes. Nice, fresh bananas? Yes. Never touch it. <laughs> Gotta watch me wait, you know. Gotta watch me wait. Junior, mm-hmm. be quiet. What? Did you hear that noise? No. You think they heard us? <laughs> now you don't you scare me Now I am scared Now, now, nothing will get you <laughs> They wouldn't keep you when they saw who they had Yes <laughs> You sure does love me And it might be a stranger They would keep me too Granny yeah. wouldn't let anything get Yes, they would just scare me It's only the man next door. Now, that's what I figured, but don't you think I handle this dramatic stuff pretty well? Oh, go to sleep. Okay. Hey, Grandma, why does that man next door come out every night and look up in the sky for her? He's a student of astronomy. He's studying the stars. Oh, I want to see stars. You'll see plenty if you don't go to sleep. Well, can I have the glass of water first? Oh, get it yourself. Do anything you like. Grow up to be an idiot and stay away from that pie. Okay. (laughs) Trusting old soul, ain't you? <laughs> oh, boy, I'm off to the kitchen. I'm off to the kitchen. Now, I wonder where that pie could be. I wonder if it's just up here on this shelf here. I would take a little... Junior, what happened? What? What happened? I broke the crystal in me Mickey Mouse was. <laughs> Let's see what's up on this next shelf here. Oh, oh, a mouse trap, a mouse trap. Whew, boy, that cheese. Boy, that sure is strong, isn't it? Whew, boy, I bet them old mice have to back up to that stuff. <laughs> oh, there's the pie. There's the pie. Oh, there. I wonder if I could take a nice big hunk. Grandma might get mad, you know. And then again, she might say that little kid was hungry and it's okay. And then again, I don't know why I was wasting my time thinking about it. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. Boy, that's sure is good. My eyes are bigger than my tummy, though. I can't put this back because Grandma would smell a two-legged rat named Junior. <laughs> and I just throw it out the window. Oh, that man standing there. Sounds like a bull's eye, didn't it? <laughs> oh, dear, he shouldn't have been standing there. I think he saw me. I, I better get sleepy and get to bed real quick. Well, good night, Grandma. Good night. Aren't you going to say your prayers? I said them on the way up there. You think they'll be answered? Not now, no, no. Junior, now see if you can go to sleep. If that's for me, I'm going to be born next week. I don't oh, know. probably someone got pie-eyed and has the wrong house. If he's pie-eyed, he got the right house. <laughs> yes? 
Where's that little grandson of yours? He's in bed. With indigestion, no doubt. Look at my suit. I wouldn't be seen in it. Why don't you have it cleaned? I'm going to, and you're going to get the bill. Hey, what's all the noise about? Can a widow fellow get some sleep around here? Do you mind telling me what this is all about? I was standing under your window looking up at the stars. Suddenly I turned to look at the big dipper, but it wasn't the dipper. It was that kid's hand with a big hunk of pie in it. Do tell. Why did you hit me with that pie? You wanted to drink of water, eh? Junior, come here. No, I don't want to. Don't whip me. I will be good. No, no, no. Now, get to bed. I don't know what it is with me. I don't have a care or a worry in the world. But every night I cry myself to sleep. <laughs> and remember, we'll all be with you on every Tuesday night at the same time. Red Skelton, David Forrester and his orchestra, Anita Ellis, Vernon Falcon, Gigi Pearson, Pat McGeehan, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. Until next Tuesday, then. This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now, and thanks for listening. And listen to Bob Hope next week when he presents the Look Magazine Award. And remember the March of Time. Goodbye now. Remember, listen to Hildegard tomorrow night, and the people are funny with Art Linkletter Friday night over most of these stations. Red Skelton is heard in this program to the courtesy of Metro-Golden-Lair. Thank you for listening, and thanks as well to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.